2017. It is 2017, and I am so excited to get to celebrate the new year. In fact, let's celebrate together. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Happy New Year, and say, Hey, this is the best you've looked all year. Tell them that. Because it is. It's the best I looked all year. You should have seen me this morning when I woke up. That's awesome. And let's also take a second to celebrate what a year 2016 was, that gateway together, we saw God do some amazing things, that not only in Branson and around the world through our internet campus, but also here in Austin as God helped and, and helped us launch our central campus, and we saw our south campus move into its permanent facilities, and up here at North, we saw over hundreds of adults and kids make professions of faith and get baptized. And also North Campus, can we be excited? We survived the flood of 2016 together. We did that. And if you don't know what that was, ask somebody on your way out. Um, it was scary for a moment, but we're, we're surviving. But what a year it was for us as a church. But I wonder for you, kind of like Ross brought up, what was 2016 like for you personally? I, I know for me, it had some great moments, like in January, I got to stand on the stage really for the first time and get my feet wet with Ted on a Tuesday night as we started Gateway Fit and saw some of you guys take your first steps into God-honoring relationships between your food and your bodies and your hearts. And some of you not only took that initial step, but you kept stepping throughout the year like two of my dear friends. One of them is Marty Robbins, and since Gateway Fit, he's lost over 50 pounds. Give him a hand. And the beautiful Valinda Brock, who served on our prayer team, she lost over 65 pounds since Gateway Fit in January. And she wanted me to tell you she turned 70 this year, and if she can do it, anybody can do it, so get started. And in February of this past year, I signed a contract with a publishing company that is going to publish a book that I've been working on, going to be out this summer, so that was a highlight. Remind me to tip you later. Thank you for that. And in March, I, um, I had the opportunity to fly to South Carolina to see my father. And for many of you that know, I have had a very rocky and strained relationship with my dad since I was a kid, since my parents got divorced. And for me, this was a really big trip, getting to fly to see him, because we, for the first time, really had the chance to sit down and have a real reconciliation conversation where I got to hear what God was doing in his life. He got to hear about mine, and we really got to offer forgiveness back and forth. In fact, my dad is watching online, so hi, Dad. Merry, uh, I mean, Happy New Year, and Happy New Year to everyone it's watching online in your pajamas. We're a little bit jealous, but we're glad we're here. Uh, but we're glad you're with us. And then in June of this year, I got chickens. Yeah, okay, some of you are like, what? Well, you should consider having a chicken for a pet because they will make you breakfast every morning, unlike cats. And here's me hanging out with my chickens at home, just kind of bonding with them. Uh, that, that's, what, that's what we look like. And then uh, in October, I had the chance to go on a global serve trip uh, with one of our teams to Nepal and had the opportunity to hike through the beautiful Himalayan mountains. And we as a team got to share the gospel and got to see over 130 Nepalese men and women start a relationship with Jesus. And, and also while I was there, I got to make a new friend or two. Um, that's one of the ones that I made. Um, 
I thought it was funny. Okay, maybe not. So <laughs> these are just a few of my wins in 2016. But before you think I had like the most epic year and you're jealous of my Snapchat-worthy highlights, um, I want you to know it definitely had its share of bumps and bruises. Uh, my oldest dog, Abby, who's 12, she's had a really rough year with medical issues as she ages and declines that have been really expensive and obviously emotionally exhausting. I've had to deal with that. And this past year, I've really struggled as I've been on staff full-time here at Gateway, struggling work-life balance, and many of you have had that same struggle. When does work end and, and where does personal life begin? And then also for me in 2016, I've been sick a lot. And if I'm honest, this past month, it's actually included a really just tough bout with depression or kind of some weird, just dark cloud kind of hanging over me that I'm not really sure if it's seasonal or medical or just Satan being a jerk. But, because he is one, we'll talk about more about that. But, but it's been a tough year, and actually, I'd kind of really sum up 2016 just as I was really tired, like bone-weary, exhausted, tired. And some of you know that because you were rolling in the same way. Which, considering how I thought 2016 should have been, is kind of ironic because my year, my word for the year for 2016 was power. Like, I was going to have an epic year and power was my word for the year. And some of you coming in here today, you're like, all right, what's this word for the year thing? Because you rolled in, you got your news resolutions, you're so excited to get after them, and yay for you, I'm excited for you. I personally am not very good at New Year's resolutions. Um, usually about three o'clock on day one, they're over. I've, I've failed. So what I've learned to do is what some others at Gateway have taught me is, is ask God for a word for the year. And, and so I wanna challenge you to the same thing, that today you ask God for your word for the year. And it's a word for that for the next 365 days you pray about and you pursue growing in. And it's often a word that drives deeper at a level of your heart than sometimes New Year's resolutions do. And so I want to encourage you to ask God for your word for 2017. Maybe it's an area you need to grow in, maybe an area where you need the life of freedom in Christ in, and then write it down and focus on it for 2017 and watch and see what God does, where he shapes you, changes you, molds you. But I, I do want to warn you a little bit, when you, when you kind of do a word for the year, uh, you don't always know where your one word is going to take you. Um, like wanting 2016 to be about power, and yet I'm standing here telling you I'm tired and exhausted but I remember in January of last year thinking, I'm just so excited because I'm going to just get to, like, be strong, like, all year, like, flex, like Ross was doing, you know? And, and I could grow and learn what it meant to walk in the power and the authority that the Scripture talks about. And I was so excited for that opportunity. But what I didn't realize was how many situations that God would lead me into where I was totally powerless. And it was in these powerless situations that I learned just how powerful that God is in a whole new way. And some of those situations actually helped me regain some power that I'd given away to other people or other situations or certain situations where honestly I was too scared to stand up in. And so even though I do stand before you kind of weary and tired, I do see how I've grown in power and confidence in the gifts he's given me. But most of all, I've grown in the knowledge of just how powerful he is. 
But that's so last year, right? It is 2017. Why are we talking about 2016? It's a new year, a new start, which means a new word, right? So we know Ross's word. I'll give you a few of my others. Previous years, 2015, it was blessing because I felt like God wanted to grow me in my ability to receive his blessings. 2014 was gratitude, which was a powerful year because I, I really got to learn how to be thankful for the little things in life. In 2013, uh, my word for the year was humility, um, because at that point, I might have had a slight pride problem. Um, I really tackled it that year, and I'm, I'm now the most humble person I know, so you can be excited for that. And, and my word for 2017, you ready? Drum roll. Is dance. Yes, dance. Now, some of you may not think God would invite me to dance. That, that might actually be a strange word for you. In fact, I grew up in a denomination where dancing was actually considered wrong, like strongly discouraged, uh, almost sin level, if not. And so actually having dance for a word for 2017 feels a little bit rebellious. I kind of like it. But you see throughout Scripture, dancing mentioned, in fact, one of the manliest men in Scripture, King David, he talks about God's invitation to dance in Psalm 30, verse 11, where he says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, which I feel God is inviting me into this year, more dancing, more joy. And honestly, I love to dance. I'm not very good at it, so don't get excited. I'm going to bust a move up here on stage. Not, not going to happen. But I think like any good father that loves to watch his little kid, his little toddler girl dance free, I think God likes to watch me dance. But I think there's also a deeper invitation for, for me in it that as many of you know that have attempted any kind of partner dancing where one person leads and another person follows, it requires extreme intimacy and unity, and a closeness, and trust. And I think God wants to grow me with that in, in him this year, that he wants me to follow more closely than I ever have before, and that whatever life hands me in 2017, that I can have the ability to see and feel him leading, and then maybe respond with a step, with a hop, with a shimmy, with a nay-nay. Okay, no nay-nay. All right. Um, but that what's beautiful about dancing that I've come to realize as I've been praying through and thinking about it is that if I misstep or, or maybe even trip or heaven forbid have one of those dancing with the stars, absolute fall on your face bloopers, that I can get back up, that I can experience grace, and, and I can just dance on throughout 2017, which the thought of that brings me a lot of joy. And so that's God's one word invitation for me, but that's about me. I wonder again for you, what's your one word? For some of you, you may already know or kind of have an inkling. For others of you, you or this is like a whole new thing. You have, uh, as you walked in, you received next steps, and those kind of have a process and some questions that you can look through and pray through to figure out what your one word is, and then powerful suggestions for what you can do throughout the year with it. Because whatever your one word is, I know that like me, you are so excited for a new year, a year of transformation, of change, a year of victory, a year where your one word takes you closer to what God has always had for you.
But many of you may be wondering how, like, Melissa, if I get my one word, how is that really going to set me up for an epic year? How can I stand at the end of 2017 and look back and see a year of victory having unfolded? Well, in the spirit of dancing, because that's my word for the year, and we're also in Texas, we got two-step. We're going to give you a Texas two-step. You ready? It's two how-tos that come from Psalm 1611 where King David says, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That hidden in this first line is our first step, which is to pray. And yes, pray, which for those of you that are new to, to Gateway or new watching online, welcome. We're so glad you're here. And pray is a word that the Bible talks about that just means to have a conversation with God. And if we're honest, our prayers around this time of the year are oftentimes go like this. They're kind of like, um, hey, God, like 2016, um, there were some good moments, but you know the lousy moments, and you know that I caused most of them, so let's just forget about them because grace is new every morning, so let's just move on. And at the end of 2017, I, I'd like to be maybe over there, and I'd like to have these things and I think maybe my one word should be this, because if my one word is this, then maybe I'll end up there looking like that with those things. And, and, and can you make that happen, God? Um, oh, yeah, amen. Um, and that's how we often pray. And I need you to know there's nothing wrong with that. We see throughout Scripture, and especially with King David and the other Psalms, that he makes his requests known to God, and there is nothing wrong with saying, hey, God, I think if I can end up over there with these things, that's going to bring me life and joy and happiness. There is nothing wrong with letting your Heavenly Father know those things. But I think in this verse we can learn something from David because not only do we see him throughout Scripture asking God for things, but we see in this verse that he listened. He says that you make known to me the path to life. Yes, you, God, make known to me. And so we see something very relational happen here between David and between God. And I think that's step one for us this year, Gateway, is that we can let him make known to us the path to life and what it needs to be for 2017. And it starts with God letting us know what our one word is. And then letting him tell you where to step next. And remember, he's not a distracted God or a bored God or a cruel God or like whatever kind of a God that he longs to lay before you your next step and invite you to step into it. Which leaves us with a tough second step to our two steps. Not only do we need to pray, that includes listening, but we need to obey. And yes, I know obey is not quite a popular concept in our individualistic, I can do it myself, thank you very much, kind of culture. I know it's something that I struggle with too. But it says that he makes known to us the path to life and, and that he longs to speak and tell you where to step next. And some of you might be like, all right, Melissa, but how can you hear him? How do you know where he's going to say step first place? Um, if you haven't ever read one of these, it's called the Bible, and he talks a lot in here about where to step. And so maybe 2017 is the year that you really dive into this in a way that you never have before. 
He also talks through godly community and godly counsel that maybe he might use somebody else here at Gateway or in your life group or maybe one of your spiritual running partners to speak on where to step next or maybe it's going to be through the Holy Spirit's inner still quiet voice that he'll say, step here. And you know, he's not cruel. He doesn't pull some string and make my leg move and step into here. I'm not a puppet and he's not a puppeteer that he offers me the option of choice. And so as we oftentimes hear and say, all right, God, this is where you want me to step, and he says yes, and we look at the path, oftentimes we don't see the next step, but we can hear his voice, but oftentimes we immediately will hear another voice. And for some of you coming in here, you may not realize that there's a battle for obedience for your year of victory, your year of freedom, your, fear of tra- your, year, your year of transformation. But that scripture talks about that we have an enemy that longs to speak in his name. In scriptures, referred to as Satan. He's called a deceiver, a thief the father of lies, that as Jesus points out and says, hey, step here, this is going to start you where you need to go in 2017, I can guarantee you're going to hear another voice that says, don't, no, don't step there. God won't be there. He'll leave you. Do you know what people will think? So don't step there. Um, just step, step right here. This is almost obedient or close enough to obedient or just let's just do another disobedience there's grace God God won't care but remember God longs to make known to us the path to life and so the way that we can shut the liar up is with truth that when I dive into this I start to know the truth about what God says that he longs to give me a hope and a future and I can come over here and I can battle with him and I can say no you don't have to talk to me anymore in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you that this actually is what it looks like. This is actually mine. He, he lives in my garage. And, um, and, and I, I work things out because sometimes I need to be reminded here, not just here, of what the truth is. And when I used to, like, long time ago, start this process of trying to shut him up, this is kind of what my punches look like. It was like, That's how strong I I, I knew and and held truth. But now when he whispers, God's not going to be there, don't take that step of obedience, I can come over and say, no, he will not leave me nor forsake me. His plans are to prosper me and not to harm me. He has a hope and a future and good things. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah? And some of you need to be reminded as you're about to take this step that this voice isn't one you have to listen to in 2017. That when I look back on 2016, the train wrecks happened because I stepped here and not here. But the invitation today is to hear Jesus' voice and to step in and that it is a battle, but it is one that we can win. That we need to know the truth, but as Ross spoke about and as we sang about, In looking at obedience, I don't just need to know the truth. I need to have faith in the truth. Which brings me to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's it's a story of victory, a story of transformation, but it's a story where the, the main character comes so close to blowing it. And so join with me in 2 Kings chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And it says, 
that now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because throughout, I mean, through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. So I kind of picture here some kind of cross between maybe Russell Crowe and Gladiator and maybe Mel Gibson and Braveheart, like manly with like facial hair kind of, but not a whole lot and kilt. But, but he's a little bit different. Naaman's a little bit different than these two guys because, because we read on that he, he had leprosy. And so I imagine how this big, valiant, warrior, manly, tough guy from Syria that maybe when his new year rolled around, I wonder if his word for that year was healing. I wonder if he wanted healing. But we read on in verse 2, it says, Now bands of raiders from Aram have gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said, and by all means go, the king of Aram replied. Which I think it's interesting to note here what happens in the story with Naaman. That a young girl told Naaman's wife, hey, there's this guy. And some of you are in these seats because someone told you, hey, there's this church. Or hey, there's this guy, Jesus. Or some of you are watching for the first time online because someone told you, and you went, oh, okay. And you took that step of obedience because you had faith in what they said. And so you see here Naaman having faith in what he heard from his wife because he could probably have listened to a liar saying, there's no one, he won't be able to heal you, don't even try. But you see Naaman having faith in what he heard and him taking that step of obedience. Because you see, obedience does require faith. And we pick it up in verse 9. And it says, So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, ten thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. So many of you probably didn't get shekels or um, talents for Christmas. Maybe you did. Congratulations if you did. But if you didn't, that equals about 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold plus 10 outfits and 10 kilts. So that, that's a lot, right? So you see him not only just kind of taking the step of obedience, but like he's all in. He's packed his horses. He's got his goods. He's got his clothes. He is ready to go see something happen. And some of you came into here this morning ready to see God do something big in 2017. You are on your horse and you're ready to go. And I'm excited for you that we see Naaman have that much determination and excitement. But what we're going to see is that Naaman didn't just need faith to take that first step. Because after we take the first step, God's always faithful. What is he going to do? He'll show us the next step. And then the next step. And it's funny because God usually doesn't show you one step until you've taken that one, right? But then he'll show you the next one. And we see in between this one and that one, Naaman run into a little bit of an issue that I think we can learn from. That not only do we need faith, but let's, let's continue on. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And those of you who may not be familiar with Elisha, he was um, a prophet. He spoke for God. He was kind of like God's PR man. Worked a few miracles along the way. 
And so Naaman went to the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. And so I think it's interesting to pause here because he stands here with all this money, probably ready to go to the temple and pay for some kind of healing, do whatever he's got to do. And Elisha's words to him were simply, through a messenger, hey, I want you to go down to this river, I want you to get in it, I want you to bob up and down seven times. And you probably, I mean, if it were me, I'd be like, sweet, I can keep my money, good, that's an easy thing. But it's interesting to notice how Naaman responds. It says, as you read on, but Naaman looked that next step and said no, and he went away angry. Which is kind of mind-blowing. Why in the world, when, when Naaman loaded up all that stuff, went to another country for healing, why, when that simple step, would he look at it and just turn and walk away? Because in a year of victory, when you're looking for God to move and make your one word come to life, not only does obedience require faith, it requires humility, which Naaman didn't have. It says in verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so we notice that Naaman's standing here and he gets his kilt in a wad because he thinks Elisha's going to come out to him, do some spiritual nay-nay wave dance, <laughs> heal him, and that's all he's got to do. And God had a completely different step of obedience, which is often what happens as we're looking to head off in the path that God has for us. It's usually a choice. It's usually a step that doesn't make sense to our brilliant engineering, controlling. I'm American, and I know how to do it mind. And that's where it requires humility, which we see in this moment. Naaman really struggled to have. And not only is he mad about that, but he complains about the water. Like, I'm sorry, that Israel redneck creek is not good enough. I could go dip at home. So he turned away and went off in a rage. And now before we judge Naaman too harshly, I want to pause and, and consider just how real this is because as we stand on the edge of a new year on day one with 364 more to follow with our new word, new hopes, new dreams, often the time and the step, the next step that God's going to ask us to take is going to be one that doesn't make sense or actually will put us in a place of weakness and vulnerability. In fact, as we head into our adulting series next week, some of you might find God whispering for you to take a step that will help you grow up emotionally and spiritually. But it might be as hard or embarrassing as dipping in a creek in a kilt. And for others of you, your step actually might not be to step over here and dip down. It might be the other end of the spectrum. It might be God saying, no, I don't want you to dip down. This year in 2017, I actually want you to step up. I want you to get commissioned and start leading a gateway. I want you to go after that job promotion. I want you to go after that career change. I want you to do that thing. 
I want to enlarge your territory because humility isn't being a doormat. Humility is being who you're created to be in Christ, no more, but no less. And so this is the step this year that God might actually ask some of you to take. But I worry that some of you might look at your steps in 2017 and like Naaman just turn and walk away in a rage. So I pray that you get connected. I pray that you have godly community around you like Naaman had. Because we see in verse 13, he goes off in a rage, but that's not the end of the story. Because in verse 13, it says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Which brings up the last thing I think you need to consider when when you're looking at a great year of victory with your one word. Not only does obedience require faith and humility, but obedience requires perseverance. Because how many times did he ask him to dip? Seven. I don't know why either. Why not just one? But for some of you, you've taken this step, which looks like this step, and as you step here, you're like, it looks just like that one, and God's pointing out one that just looks just like it, and you're like, God, really? How many more times? But this is where I want to tell you, hang on, because you might be one step away from a breakthrough. You might be one step away from having that freedom, that joy. You may be one restore class, one recovery class, one more life group chance away from seeing God do amazing things in your life in 2017. And so maybe you just need the encouragement to persevere. And it's been in fighting off the heavy blanket of depression kind of the past month that, that my ability to persevere honestly has been tested that I've had to go back and battle and jab with faith and truth against some of the lies that, that, that he's tempted me to believe, to, to give up and walk away from being obedient. And so my reminder to me and to you is that we gotta keep our fists up, we gotta keep jabbing back with truth, we gotta keep persevering, and we gotta keep moving on. Because sometimes it's that seven dip, it's that last jab back that in the name of Jesus shuts him up. And so we see in verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God, and he stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So you notice that it was Naaman's obedience that helped him learn the truth of who God was. And for some of you, you're about to have a breakthrough in knowing who God is this year as you take your steps of obedience. And so no matter what your 2016 held, I do believe that God wants to do big things for you in in 2017. And as the band comes out, I believe that God wants to speak to you about your one word, about your next step, about the path that he wants to lead you on to life. And I'm going to ask during this song that everyone stay seated and listen, because here's why. Because Jesus wants to speak. 
He wants to speak to you about your one word. He wants to speak to you about your next step. And, and as you head out this morning, you're going to get to pick up a magnet where you can write your one word. And again, you may not know it, but this is an opportunity during this song to start listening to it. And maybe you can place this magnet on your refrigerator, on your cubicle, somewhere where you can see and be reminded for the next 364 days, God wants to do big things in your life. But you have the opportunity to take step one, which is pray and talk to him and invite him to speak during this song. And so I invite you to listen to the step that he's asking you to take and then to do the most radical thing you can do in your life, which is to obey.